Hey everyone, Jason here. I am the My Climate Journey show host. Before we get going, I wanted to take a minute and tell you about the My Climate Journey, or MCJ as we call it, membership option. Membership came to be because there were a bunch of people that were listening to the show that weren't just looking for education, but they were longing for a peer group as well. So we set up a Slack community for those people that's now mushroomed into more than 1,300 members. There is an application to become a member. It's not an exclusive thing. There's four criteria we screen for. Determination to tackle the problem of climate change. Ambition to work on the most impactful solution areas. Optimism that we can make a dent and we're not wasting our time for trying. And a collaborative spirit. Beyond that, the more diversity, the better. There's a bunch of great things that have come out of that community, a number of founding teams that have met in there, a number of nonprofits that have been established, a bunch of hiring that's been done, a bunch of companies that have raised capital in there, a bunch of funds that have gotten limited partners or investors for their funds in there, as well as a bunch of events and programming by members and for members, and some open source projects that are getting actively worked on that hatched in there as well. At any rate, if you want to learn more, you can go to myclimatejourney.co, the website, and click the Become a Member tab at the top. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. This is Jason Jacobs, and welcome to My Climate Journey. This show follows my journey to interview a wide range of guests to better understand and make sense of the formidable problem of climate change and try to figure out how people like you and I can help. Today's guest on the MCJ Startup Series is Bim Adisa, founder and CEO of Beacon Power Services, also known as BPS. BPS helps Nigerian businesses harness solar power, reduce their reliance on costly diesel, and upgrade their aging infrastructures. Bim, who was born in Nigeria, but raised in the UK, got a phone call in 2008 when he was working as an investment banker in Chicago from his father, who was complaining about yet another power outage. Once he realized just how bad the power situation was in Nigeria, he thought renewable energy could be the next disruptive technology to really impact Africa, and he set out to build BPS. This is a fascinating discussion, both about the African energy market and clean energy transition, as well as BPS's unique approach. Bim, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, thanks so much for having me. Uh, great to be here and uh, been great to be part of uh, um, MCJ and uh, just meeting some awesome people in the process. So thank you. Thanks. Well, we're, we're psyched that you're part of the community as well, and, and also psyched just to have the time today to learn more about, uh, about Beacon Power Services and about what's happening in uh, Africa in general as it relates to, to climate change, since that's, you know, I think um, it's definitely a global problem. And just by the nature of not getting overwhelmed and trying to do one thing well, we've been, you know, more focused on North America than other places, but that's not because it's any... Uh, you know, a, any more of a part of the problem a, or the potential solution. It's just because it's where we are. Uh, so, so taking the opportunity and getting the opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to broaden our perspectives in this way feels super important and timely. So thank you. 
No, thank you. Absolutely. And I mean, like, uh, I'll agree with you. I think I mean, be, being, I mean, the different magnitudes of the problem being in North America, it makes sense to focus here. Uh, but I, I'll also imagine for a lot of people, um, when you think of climate change, Africa probably isn't first, first thing that comes to mind. Um, but I think one of the things that drove us to start Beacon and one of the things that drives our mission is, I mean, there are a billion plus people in sub-Saharan Africa, 450 million of those people living in urban areas. Um, they need electricity, they run businesses like we do, and they're making do with really not suboptimal solutions from a climate perspective. And if we fast forward 30 years, that 450 million is going to grow 4x. So there'll be like 1.8 billion people facing the same issues. So if we don't address that now, it's going to be increasingly an even bigger problem for us. So again, thanks for the platform. And hopefully that'll be one of the big takeaways here that I mean, Africa is a big part of the climate issue. And there should be quite a bit of attention focused there as well. Yeah, no, and I've heard that consistently through uh, through my climate journey as well. So well, why don't we jump into it? So what is Beacon Power Services? Yeah, thanks. So Beacon Power Services, uh, our, our mission is to uh, empower Africa's grids, as I think there's a background here, as we show. And simply put, we provide software solution and uh, grid automation, grid analytics, specifically focused on the African grid. Um, one of the reasons maybe to step back a bit is, like I said, well, one of the questions that may come to mind immediately is why even the grid? I mean, we're in the 21st century, the era of distributed generation, but um, Africa has a very large population that's growing very rapidly. Uh, a lot of these population are in very densely packed uh, urban areas, cities, and we still feel the one of the most efficient ways to get electricity to them reliably is through the grid, but the grid in Africa is a mess. Uh, so our mission is to help fix that uh, by focusing on the last mile, uh, developing indigenous automation solutions that are built by Africans in Africa for Africa. So that's really what we, I mean, what we do. What does that mean, indigenous automation solutions? So we, we've got a local team um, and we're very much boots on the ground. So one of our core solutions is just mapping the grid mapping um, all the customers on the grid, tracing literally, and I, I mean that literally, cable from source to door, from door to door, right? To really capture what's going on in the grid. It's very difficult to do that from a macro view and just step back. So we've got, a lo we've got local teams in the countries we operate and the local teams are literally walking street by street, door by door, mapping, tracing and building software that really, really meets the local needs, right? So again, um, I mean, availability of electricity is not something you or I would track being in the US. It's not, I mean, we assume when we get home, when we turn on the lights, the light is on, but in Africa, that's not the case. So again, we've got to develop solutions that relate to people who are on ground and face these problems, right? Uh, integrating with generators isn't a problem you or I would probably mostly, you know, I mean, most of the time would never face this except in an emergency. We've got to build for that in Africa. So that's the thing. So we've taken a team that's built software, I mean, grid software, grid management software in the US, in Europe, and we've located those teams locally. And we're going literally street by street, door by door, developing a last mile solution to solve the grid issues, the grid leakage issues in Africa. 
Well, I have lots of questions about that, but before we get too far down that path, how did the company come about? And, and even, I guess, further in the Wayback Machine than that, uh, when did you first start thinking about and, and caring about this issue and why? No, absolutely. So it's been a, a long journey. Uh, I think uh, this first kind of cropped up uh, to me about 12 years ago, actually. It's been a long time. Uh, so a bit of background about myself. I, I grew up in Nigeria and um, I'll actually scroll. So I'll introduce Nigeria because uh, I think... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, um, and, and I'll, now, I'll how, how come how come the uh, the traditional you know like the 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 Silicon Valley tech companies imagine if they had a slide that said like uh, meet San Francisco <laughs> 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 exactly you, I mean, it makes I mean you need to do it because like uh, there's just a lot of people that you know that 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 don't know but uh, absolutely but anyways, that's yeah but it's it's good as I I'm glad that I mean I'm not glad for the pandemic but I'm I am glad to see that uh, you know that the future of work and uh, and technology innovation is is getting more distributed. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, no, so uh, no, great point. So, so back to how Beacon started. So, like I said, I grew up in Nigeria. I went to uh, my formative years were there. I went to Air Force Military School, which is a board, boarding school. So that's really kind of where I grew up. And I mean, I wound up, uh, that inspired me to become an aerospace engineer and just the idea of building planes and building stuff. Uh, but somehow along the line, I wound up uh, in Chicago business school then ended up doing, ended up on Wall Street doing investment banking, covering renewable energy companies, companies like First Solar and the like. And um, so that's where the journey started. I was sitting in 2007, 2008, uh, looking at renewable energy solutions in the U.S. and thinking, wow, I mean, where I grew up, the, the availability of electricity is really poor. So um, at the time, the big thing in, in the U.S. were production tax credits and whatnot. So basically, let's subsidize you to kind of use renewable sources. And I'm like, in Africa, you don't need a subsidy because this actually intuitively makes sense because there's a fundamental problem. Right. The problem isn't replacing something that's already here. The problem is providing a solution that's critical, but doesn't even exist. Um, so that got me thinking about it. I mean, I, I took some time off, traveled and kind of visited the continent. And and then I thought, look, you know what? Someone's going to do this. Why not me? So, I mean, a bit crazy and a bit, I, mean, uh, I think if I knew what I was getting into, I mean, uh, but look, we, we've got all going to be part of the solution. So. Fast forward where we are now, and I think we've been focused on our grid solutions for the last three years, since 2017. Um, but really, that was the beginning of the journey, really understanding, uh, um, I mean, like, look, this is where I come from, and lack of electricity is a big social, economic, and climate issue, right? I mean, if you go to Lagos now, it's hot. I mean, the t you could feel the temperature. Um, I mean, you could feel the pollution. And again, I think that's very symptomatic of Africa. So I, I introduce Nigeria here, but I mean, it's Africa's biggest population, uh, 206 million is Africa's largest economy. And in terms of the, the, the power supply issue and the pollution issue, it's probably the biggest in Africa, right? And I'll, I'll skip a couple of slides to, I mean, so, I mean, in terms of air pollution, it has um, the fourth worst air pollution um in 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 the world um it has 
uh, in terms of deaths, I think in 2018, uh, about 11,500 people died as a direct result of air pollution. 60% of these were kids under the age of five, right? So again, when we think climate solutions or climate issues here, we think long-term and mean, right? But this is happening here and now. I mean, it's a country with 17 million diesel generators, but why? And again, that brings us back to BPS and the problem we're trying to solve because the grid doesn't work. So people have to find alternatives and they find alternatives that are suboptimal because that's the easiest thing they can kind of find, right? So that's really what we're, we're trying to solve. So, uh, so back in that two seven, 2007 or 2008 timeframe when you, uh, you know, were thinking more and more about this problem of the lack of basic electricity and, and wanting to help solve that. So uh, what happened between then and now where you've kind of landed on this, uh, you know, d well-defined entry point? Did you, did you evaluate a bunch of different possible entry points before you got to this one or walk us through that process? No, great question. So um, I mean, spent the first couple of years just trying to understand what the situation was, not just in Nigeria, but across Africa. So the first couple of years were really exploratory traveling and just really kind of digging in. Uh, about 2010, 2011, they said, okay, you know, we're going to start an entity, but part of it is just figuring out what we're going to do. And the, the immediate obvious solution was, well, let's go build distributed solar, right? Because that was the, I mean, like, okay, let's, let's go build distributed solar because we can just replace this. I mean, for me and my, my maybe no apologies to the, the manufacturers of diesel generators, but for me, that's really the scourge we're trying to solve here because that's really kind of the source of a lot of problems. I mean, it, it's, it's being used as a solution, but it's causing a lot of problems. So the initial thing for us was, well, we'll just come in, we'll put solar on roofs and we'll replace diesel generators. But the more we dug in, the more we realized, and we started off doing that. We built a couple of pilot plants um, in for commercial entities, saw how it works. I mean, some of them are still in operation now and, 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 and uh, providing a solution. One of them was for a school. This was with, um, with BPS? It's with, with BPS, yeah. So our, our first when solar... When did BPS incorporate? Uh, it was, so we first incorporated in 2010. Okay. Yeah. So... Okay. Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off, just wanted that. Yeah, no, no worries. So, um, so initially it was, well, let's... People are using generators, let's, let's provide them an alternative. Our first solar plan was for a school, a future kids school in Lagos, where we basically built a solar plan to say, look, get off diesel and stop burning diesel and use solar. But one of the things we found as a bigger barrier to it was, I mean, most people can't afford to self-finance, especially not in Africa, even in the US. Most people can't self-finance solar plants. And there's a shortage of information. There's just a shortage of, of, of data, right? Most people don't really fully understand their energy needs. And most people are connected to the grid um, in urban areas. Um, so that got us to start thinking, well, you know what, maybe it's not as simple as just bringing solar and just plugging it in. Let's understand the grid. How do people kind of use the grid? And how do, uh, I mean, what's that interaction? What's the profile of different types of customers, residential, commercial, all the things that we take for granted in the US. You can go to your electricity, you get your electricity bill, you see your kilowatt hours, right? A lot of that doesn't exist in across Africa. And again, we, we take it for granted. And in order to build a, a, an efficient functional grid, it's important to have that information, right? 
So we realized very quickly that actually probably the a bigger problem and a bigger solution isn't so much just the capacity issue, it's the data and efficiency issue. So let's focus on solving that. Um, so we were fortunate around 2016, we applied for a grant on the, with Power Africa. Um, we got the grant in 2017, and that was really the launch of this effort, which we're, we're, we're now kind of starting to, where we've had some significant traction with. So we got a grant from Power Africa, that enabled us to start to study the grid. So our first study was looking at Lagos, a city of 20, 22 million people, and say, so let's, let's just spend a year just studying the grid, studying, I mean, what are the issues? What are the bottlenecks? And that's really what's brought us to this point where we've realized there's a massive leakage issue in the last mile. Um, about 51% of the energy sent into the Nigerian grid is unaccounted for, half, right? So let's plug that leakage. So it's not just about adding capacity. We would focus and we would dedicate ourselves to plugging that capacity gap by providing boots on the ground, door-to-door, street-to-street mapping, software, analytics, automation, to basically create efficiency so that if there is a leakage, you can see it immediately. If you can see it, you can address it and plug the gap. And if you can plug the gap, that means more electricity to people at home, and that means less time having to rely on diesel generators. What are some of the causes of this leakage? So one of the biggest thing is, uh, one of the biggest causes, I mean, if you look across, uh, I mean, I think a lot of Africa is going through many of the uh, issues the developed world went through maybe two, three decades ago, where utilities historically, uh, electric utilities, I mean, uh, used to be large government-owned entities uh, most of them have been privatized. Some are still government-owned, but most of them have been privatized. Uh, most of them have a, a legacy of being very inefficiently run. And most of them have just I mean, not grown with the population. So again, you look at urbanization in Africa, especially, and um, I mean, and for, for lack of a better word, industrialization, right? You've had the infrastructure basically lag the pace, right? So you've ended up with a, a city like Lagos, which I mean, 20 years ago had like 6 million people and now has 22 million people, right? And you still have the same infrastructure, right? So the grid hasn't grown. I mean, the utility hasn't made, made much, the utilities haven't made, they haven't made much effort to even know, I mean, where are these additional, I mean, 16 million people, right? So that is a big, big issue. So we've almost had to unwind that. We've almost had to unwind that to say, okay, look, this is what the situation is. This is, let's, let's create a layer of the land. Where are your assets? And let's track electricity flow. If I'm sending electricity out, where is it going, right? And create an audit trail, right? So that we can start to understand what are the true demands, right? How can we really allocate power efficiently? How can we develop efficient, capacity, I mean, uh, generating capacity to meet the needs of this, what is now 22 million people, and better anticipate what, what this is meant to look like when it's 30, 40, 50 million people, which it will be. And I'm going to try asking it uh, slightly differently, just because I want to make sure I understand it, and it feels like an important point. The, uh, so I understand conceptually what you're saying is that the you know the, the the legacy grid was designed for a lot less people and now there's a lot more people and you're still stuck with the same legacy grid but technically how does that manifest what is actually happening when this leakage occurs or what isn't happening that should be happening 
So I'll give an example, and there's, I mean, there are multiple implications, right? So first of all is if I have a grid that's built for 6 million people, there's a demand for 6 million people, right? And if, if my actual demand, if they're three times those, those people, right? A lot of these people have connected to the grid. I don't even know where they are, where they've connected, right? So I'm sending out electricity thinking it's for 6 million people, but 21 million people are consuming it. So what's happening is, everybody's short, right? Nobody has enough, right? Because nobody has enough, right? And I don't know where most of my customers are. I can't even track things like um, maintenance, right? How am I going to maintain and kind of keep my lines, right? How am I going to spot outages, right? Um, and then you get to the commercial aspect. How am I going to bill, collect, and make this? And that's important not because, I mean, look, you've got to have it sustainable because you've got to reinvest in the grid, Right. So these are the myriad of issues you face practically because of this explosion that all of a sudden then you, you've ended up with the utilities being, um, and I kind of trying to illustrate it with a couple of slides here, the utilities are basically stuck and they're lost because they're overwhelmed. You, you, you think you have 6 million, but you have 21, 22, right? Um, most of those, you don't know where they are. So you almost have to start by auditing and basically combing through who do I have? What is their demand? Where am I sending energy to? And who's receiving it, right? Um, in commercial terms, the, 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 in Nigeria alone, um, the utilities unrealized revenue is about $1.3 billion a year. Across Sub-Saharan Africa, it's about $8 billion a year, right? So again, it's impossible to invest when you're losing that amount, right? Because mm -hmm. you can't just reinvest in the grid. So hopefully, I mean, maybe that, that addresses the question. Yeah, essentially, I think what I'm hearing is that the grid uh, has a, you know, if the grid was eyes, it, you know, it, it has poor vision and you are like essentially giving the grid LASIK surgery to, uh, to help sharpen the focus of its eyes so that it can, uh, uh, you know, it, it can be a lot more efficient with how it allocates the resources since it can better understand the landscape uh, of, the, uh, um, of, of the end customers uh, that it is providing to. You said it really eloquently and really well. I think maybe because uh, my my head so I'm I'm so so neck deep in this that I mean, it's I mean uh, uh, um yeah a lot of it makes but yeah you've basically summarized it. Yes, the grid doesn't have eyes, and we're basically trying to be the eyes to make sure you can spot what's going on because if you can see it, then you can fix it. Okay, so you so you got the grant to do this research that helped you identify that the grid had this eyesight problem to stick to stick with this analogy but then how did you go from identifying this problem that so first you started with uh you know um energy poverty as a problem and then you said okay within energy poverty poverty the, if i double click on that there's a problem that the grid can't see uh and therefore isn't delivering its services efficiently and there's a a lot of waste right and then so you double click on that and then okay once you had that information what next? Like, what, what was the next step coming out of that research? Thank you. So, so the yeah. first thing was, all right, um, in order to do this, there are two things that need to happen. One is, like I said, you've, you've got to have what I'll call an audit. And it, it can't be, um, I mean, it, some of the solutions are actually quite simple, right? But it has to be a local effort, right? Because um, it's not a problem technology alone is going to solve. You literally have to come through. And there's almost no, I mean, I mean, uh, there the, the, the are no easier, easier ways to do it than be, in, be on the ground. So the first thing we decided to do 
and I'll skip to kind of some of our solutions. The first thing we, we decided to do is build a, um, a, GIS, a GIS of the grid, right? So let's track where all the assets are. Let's track where all the uh, people are, all the buildings are, right? Um, I'll give an imp interesting statistic. So when I use the numbers, 35% of the buildings we identified when we, when we did this exercise in Lagos, 35% of the buildings were on the grid, but were not known to the utility, right? So we've literally had to go door to door to basically map out, here's every building, here's an asset, and here's everything downstream of the asset. So once we did this first step, the next step was then to build software to say, okay, now that we, we've tagged everything, right? Let us now connect to everything and provide, start to measure flow of electricity, measure um, mean, uh, 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 consumption data at the consumer uh, end and start to um, provide uh, a match, right? Start to reconcile so that the utilities can simply see when I send out a hundred units, how many can I trace to the endpoint, right? And if I send 100 units to a neighborhood in Manhattan or wherever, can I trace it? And if I can't trace it, I need to re re respond in terms of resource allocation. I either need to send people, maybe there's a CapEx need to kind of upgrade equipment there. So it's that visibility is kind of the key to what we've done. And, and so, then the third, oh, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, please. So yes, and the third part to that is figure a way to commercialize that, right? Because again, uh, it's got to be sustainable. Um, it's, it's not just, it's great to get a grant and in donor funds, but it's important that the utility is viable, um, the consumer is viable, and this whole thing works because that, that really builds longevity. So what we've done is obviously from a commercial perspective, the utility pays for it, but the, 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 what they get in return is, increased revenue and what the customer gets in return is increased availability and we're, we're really pleased in the areas we've operated the average availability is up about 25 percent now that's a big number in reality that's two hours a day right but again it just shows what the low base we're starting from is and so is this a software solution that the utilities pay for uh as a subscription correct yes yeah so it's and, a, and, oh go ahead no, go ahead, sorry. Oh, I was going to ask, what, uh, what are they getting for this, uh, uh, for, for this subscription? What, what are the capabilities of the offering? Yeah, so it, it's, it's a little bit of, a, I mean, I don't want to use the word SCADA system, but it's like a, a SCADA light, if you would call it that. So basically, like I said, it gives them a, a real-time view on where all their assets are. It gives them real-time view on outages, on losses, and it allows them to... Uh, uh, optimize their asset utilization. I'll give one, I mean, another ex anecdotal example. One of the biggest issues, re reasons you had outages in, in, in Nigeria and again, across Africa in a lot of places is a common problem is you have transformers that feed a neighborhood, right? Now go back to my original analogy where you have three X the number of customers. So I'm a customer, I just come in and I just literally get someone from the utility they literally just connect me to a transformer. So a transformer has uh, um, a 500 kVA capacity, right? Because it's meant to serve 500 customers. All of a sudden you have 1000 customers connected to the same transformer. Someday there's just an explosion. And again, it's actually not uncommon, right? And the transformer is out. 
So that means everyone in that neighborhood doesn't have electricity until that transformer is replaced, even if electricity is being sent to that point, right? That means the utility has to spend money, CapEx that's probably unplanned, right, to replace the transformer. Often you have uh, unrealized revenue because you're sending electricity to a place where people can't receive it, right? Because the gateway is basically blown open, right? So what we now do with our software and what the utility gets is they get to see that before it happens. And then they get to act. And because they get to act, they can reduce their costs because they can make plans, be, be more efficient, maybe add a second transformer, move customers to another transformer that's not as loaded, right? The customer gets better service because they don't have to wait till things mean, mean blow up and they basically are left without electricity for weeks, sometimes months, right? Um, and everybody basically wins. So that's really what the utility gets and then the consumer benefits as well. Uh -huh. So then the value proposition to the utility is that they pay for the software and then what they get is they can... Uh, avert the costs of needing to uh, clean up the messes that get made by avoiding the messes and delivering a, a more reliable uh, s service to customers in the process? Absolutely. Great. And, uh, and how, uh, how big is this market? Are you focused only on the uh, African utility market? Yeah. So I think for us, I mean, we've had, I mean, uh, I mean, We've had quite good traction in Nigeria, right? We think, like I said, in terms of unrealized revenue, it's about 1.3 billion. And for the utilities we've served alone, we've seen a big kind of uptick in revenue. We think across Africa, it's an $8 billion problem, right? But our goal is that there are 11 electricity utilities in Nigeria. We've started with a couple. And our goal is to expand over the coming, I mean, in 2020 was a bit of an anomaly. Uh, we had some aggressive growth plans this year, but I mean, obviously we're, we're just happy to get through the year with everything that's gone on. But the goal is to expand initially within Nigeria. Uh, but in the new year, we're going to be expanding our services to utilities in, in Ghana, in uh, DRC, um, Democratic Republic of Congo and Uganda as a starting point. So again, these are utilities and, and many grid operators who we've engaged with who have exactly, exactly the same problems, right? Um, they, they don't know their end customer. They don't have a good view of what's going on downstream, right? And we're helping them see what's happening downstream and helping them manage and automate that process of what's happening downstream with their, with their customers. So and is it kind of a, a land and expand strategy where you start small and then expand within the utility over time? Or, or uh, what does that look like in terms of how you go to market with a specific customer? That's, that's a great question. So one of the things we find is, I mean, I think you, you'll find this with utilities pretty much everywhere in the world, but more so in Africa is, I mean, when you have a legacy of often two, three decades, maybe even more of underinvestment and kind of inefficient management, for lack of a better, better, better phrase, right? You have so many problems, right? So the, the key is often to step back and try and focus and say, look, where do we start? Usually our starting point is the mapping, it's the audit, right? Because you've got to just take stock of where you are, right? And that's usually where we start. And it's, like I said, it's not something you do. So we, we pride ourselves in terms of understanding what the issues are, understanding we, we've been through this, 
Uh, I mean, we've been at this for a few years now. We understand when we get on ground, how are we going to quickly identify the assets and really run downstream and identify all the issue, myriad of issues that are unique in these environments that you probably won't find in developed markets, right? So that's usually our starting point. And then we try and create a roadmap with the utility to say, look, we're going to grow with you. I mean, our, our view is, I mean, and that's one of the reasons we offer our services as a subscription, right? It's, it's more of a, uh, it's, it's a partnership, right? And we see a growth path, right? Look, we're, we're trying to grow and some of it will take time, right? So we start with the, the mapping and then we start to kind of digitize, right? So let's see what part of the, your, your information, your network, we can kind of digitize. And then we start to automate. Where can we automate? Where can we provide visibility? So it's, it's a step-by-step approach. Often people want to kind of speed up the process, but really I think it just takes time. There's just no substitute for that in order to do it well. Uh-huh. And uh, wh- where are you in terms of uh, adoption of the, the, the offering? What does your customer base look like today? And, and also what kind of results uh, have they been seeing so far if there's been enough time uh, that, that's elapsed for them to start to get a sense of how it's going? Yeah, so thanks. So for the utilities we, we've worked with, um, we've, I mean, on average, we've seen about a 25% increase in revenue, right? Uh, uh, which is not insignificant. Um, we've, we've seen, um, I mean, we've seen for, in terms of availability, uh, for customers, we've seen about 25% because you've just been able to better manage, right? We currently have a base that uh, covers about 1.4 million customers. Actually, that's, I mean, we'll probably update that to closer to 2 million uh, mm-hmm. um, by the end of this year. So we, we, the, the service areas, we're serving about 2 million customers. But again, the customers are like households and businesses. This is really probably about 10 to 12 million people we're impacting, right? So I mean, I think we, we've had some significant traction over the course of the last, I mean, couple of years we've been at this. We've I mean, as a company, I mean, we're uh, um, making revenue, we're I mean, profitable as a company, I mean, marginally so. So again, I think we've laid good building blocks to build on. So really where we are as a company is, okay, how can we scale this and replicate this and do what we've done here more efficiently, but very quickly, with all the other opportunities that are available to us. Uh-huh. And are, are you the first company that's come along and uh, identified this as a problem area that you uh, aspire to tackle or uh, have others tried or are others trying? So uh, we're not the first. And I think one of the, the I mean, they're, they're much larger companies that do what we do and they do this not just in Africa, but mostly in developed markets. I think what's unique about us and what is a little bit different and maybe an advantage for us is that often larger com- com- uh, companies from developed markets take a little bit of an arm's length view, right? They say, look, this is what's worked in California or this is what's worked in London, right? Our software is great, so go use it, right? And by the way, it's super sophisticated, probably more sophisticated than anything you would ever need, right? But the analogy I give is it's a little bit like giving my grandma in the village who's never used a cell phone an iPhone 12. She doesn't, she's not going to stream, right? She doesn't, I mean, she, she, she doesn't need to uh, download any apps. She just wants to call her grandkids, maybe text, right? Um, so you need a very basic tool, right? And she also can't afford the $1,200 or whatever the cost is, 
right? So that's the analogy we give, that because we're on the ground, we're able to break down the problems into very granular pieces that are easier for the utility to bite. They're more affordable. The solutions are more applicable. It's not, I mean, utilities in Africa, when I said people, the average person gets, I mean, the average urban dweller gets electricity six hours a day, right? So they don't need tools that track outages in 15 second intervals. That's just, at least not today. Eventually they will, and, event, um, and hopefully BPS will be there, right, to, as part of that journey when they get there, but that's not an immediate priority, right? So we're focused on the immediate priorities that these utilities and the consumers face now, right? And we're trying to address those now, right? So that's really what's different for, between us and some of the other companies that have done this who often show up and then there's a mismatch and then things just never work out and we end up where we are with, I mean, 17 million diesel generators. And, and so if you look out over the next, say, 12 or 18 months, what are the key milestones that you're driving towards and focused on as a company? Yeah, so our goal is, I mean, first, I mean, like over, over five years, our goal is to be I mean, 15 uh, million plus customers. But if I say the next 12, 18 months, um, the biggest priority, like I said, we've got Ghana, DRC, and Uganda on the horizon next year. So it'll be big for us to kind of get there. And this includes some of these uh, traditional utilities. Some of these are large mini grid operators who are providing uh, um, uh, 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 power supply in some cases to areas that are very kind of remote and kind of very little energy access, right? So one of the immediate priorities is to reach these people and expand our services to, I mean, to basically uh, uh, scale with these, with these folk. Um, as part of that, we're, we're doing a, I mean, a, I'll call it our seed slash pre-series A round of financing because one of the things we need to do as a result of this is to expand our team, right? And like I said, because we take a local approach, it's what's worked in Nigeria. We're not going to have the Nigeria team serve uh, Uganda. We're, we're building a local team there and local infrastructure. It scales well, but we just do need to have, we think that local presence is very important. These aren't problems you solve from a distance it, with an arm's length approach. Uh -huh. And then for anybody who is uh, listening or uh, viewing this presentation and is excited about what you're doing, where do you need help? How can the MCJ uh, community be helpful to you? Who do you want to hear from, if anybody? Yeah, so I mean, I think first of all, I mean, we're still learning, and I think, I mean, the, the one of the the big things for us is there's a myriad of technologies that are available. But anyone who's um, in the grid software, grid management, energy efficiency space, please, I mean, reach out, get in touch. Would love to connect with you and build our team, build our expertise, and I mean, from a, in terms of our technical know-how. Um, like I mentioned, we're 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 doing a seed round, so anyone who's interested. Uh, from an investment perspective in, in Africa and in what we're doing, again, we would love to kind of connect with folk. Um, and yeah, like I said, we, 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 I mean, just getting Africa on the map. I mean, I think that's a big thing for us because like we started the conversation, it's not top of mind when most people think about the problems we're trying to solve in terms of climate change. So um, that's one of the big things we, 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 we want to be front of. And Bim, is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have or any parting words for viewers? No, I mean, again, I, I think uh, it's, it's been great, great conversation, great questions. Uh, 
just thank you for the opportunity. And I mean, like I said, thanks for what you guys are doing with the community. I've been a part of it now for a few months and I'm just, I mean, I, I go on the Slack group and I spend uh, sometimes an inordinate amount of time just kind of sifting through what people are doing. It's, it's really cool. So well done and thank you. Well, hopefully it's a little bit more productive time than doing the same on TikTok, which, which I do <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> so, but maybe, I, le- maybe less entertaining. <laughs> uh, true. Uh, but okay. Well, Ben, thanks again for coming on the show and best of luck to you and the whole Beacon Power Services team. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jason. Ty. Uh, thanks. Thanks very much, guys. Hey, everyone. Jason here. Thanks again for joining me on my climate journey. If you'd like to learn more about the journey, you can visit us at myclimatejourney.co. Note that is .co, not .com. Someday we'll get the .com, but right now, .co. You can also find me on Twitter at jjacobs22, where I would encourage you to share your feedback on the episode or suggestions for future guests you'd like to hear. And Before I let you go, if you enjoyed the show, please share an episode with a friend or consider leaving a review on iTunes. The lawyers made me say that. Thank you. (laughs) 